Are you ready to give your employees and customers smooth, secure digital experiences? Then you need Ping Identity as an identity security pioneer. Ping champions your unique identity so your employees can be productive rock stars and your customers can engage with your brand wherever and however they want with lovable digital experiences. I'm the Chief Identity Champion and I'm here to help. Visit pingidentity.com today. Pretty fun. Welcome everybody to the NFL show on the Grilling True Sports Network. The NFL show is brought to you, as always, by Replenishing Care and Technologies. Make sure you check them out at rcandt.com. I am your host for the NFL show, Mike Goodpaster. Right now, I'd like to welcome in my co-host, as always, Sam Teets. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing great, Mike. How about you? All right. I'm doing better than Dan Quinn is today, as Dan Quinn has been let go as the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. That's good news for Falcons fans. The bad news is Raheem Morris is the new head coach, Sam. Yeah, I almost wanted to call you about this the other day because, remember, we've been making fun of Raheem Morris ever since the season started. He said he didn't expect Russell Wilson to throw the ball as much as he did week one. I mean, really, you're putting this guy – he has, what, three years of head coaching experience with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have a fluke 10-win season in there. You're putting him in charge of your entire organization after the defense has played so terrible through the first five weeks of the year. I don't see – I think Quinn honestly might be a, might be a better head coach than this guy. He might be a better head coach, but I think Dan Quinn has – he'll get another job. I think he's a good football coach. I just think from 17 minutes left in that Super Bowl a few years ago that this was kind of written on the wall that this was going to happen. That's hard to overcome. And while Raheem Morris I don't think belongs as an NFL head coach, you almost have to hire somebody on staff right here. And right now, the way the Falcons look, I mean, anything's better than Dan Quinn. Raheem Morris will finish out the season, and then they'll go get a football coach. Yeah, they, they're having a lot of struggles here. I mean, Matt Ryan hasn't looked good at all for the past two weeks, and Julio Jones is barely playing. All right. Let's get to the bigger news of the day. The Dallas Cowboys, Dak Prescott, they didn't give him the extension. But you got to give Jerry Jones credit for one thing. He did go out and sign an experienced, seasoned backup quarterback. And Andy Dalton, to the chagrin of Bengals fans who think that Everything that was wrong with the Bengals was Andy Dalton's fault. Led the Cowboys to 13 points in the fourth quarter. He was 9 of 11 for 111 yards. And given Prescott's pending surgery, he figures to be the Cowboys' man for an extended period, probably the rest of this season. And I think that the Dallas Cowboys are actually in good hands here. Yeah, I mean, he was by far the best backup in the NFL entering the season. He really should have had a starting job, I feel like. But it really, the quarterback market was – lower to this offseason. There were plenty of guys out there. So he ended up as a backup role. He's now moving to the starting position. There's not going to be much of a difference there, I feel like, offensively. You're still getting a quality starter. And in Mike McCarthy's offense, Dak Prescott has all the weapons he needs, more than he ever had, really, in, in Cincinnati. When he did have a great receiving catch, AJ Green, Muhammad Snu, and who's there, Marvin Jones, they were projecting the playoffs annually. So really, they're in a good spot right now. Yeah, I, I believe this. I believe the Dallas Cowboys win this division now. And I'm not saying that he's better than Dak Prescott. I'm just telling you this. Andy Dalton, I think, is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. I think that he is a top 12 guy. I would take Andy Dalton over Kirk Cousins. And a lot of people have Kirk Cousins right around the bottom of that top 10. And when I look at this, this is a team that has a decent offensive line. That He has all kind of weapons. They're going to score points. 
And I think you're going to see over the next few weeks some of these injured players on the defense come back. I don't think it's lights out for Dallas. I think Dallas wins this division with Andy Dalton. And I'll say the same thing I said earlier in the year. I got a friend who's a Cowboys fan, and I told him I think the best thing they could do right now is cut bait with Dak Prescott, pay Andy Dalton a little bit of money, and take all the money you gave Dak Prescott and go out and fill in your holes in your defense. Yes, financially, again, it's a shame for Dak Prescott. Because Dak Prescott is not a terrible quarterback. He's not a terrible person either. It's a shame he got hurt this way. And it's potentially going to lose millions of dollars for it. So NFL players deserve all the money they can get. But really, I mean, what you're saying makes total sense from a financial perspective. Having Andy Dalton at quarterback so much cheaper than Dak Prescott, and you're really not losing much, is that it's maybe a little bit of mobility in being able to run the ball with his legs. But it's not a huge loss. And you're talking about potentially getting four or five players who can really help that defense out. Well, I think this. I think Andy Dalton does have the ability to run. I mean, we saw it in Cincinnati. When he had to run, he could. It's not like he's Phillip Rivers, who was atrocious yesterday, but we'll get to that in a little bit. So, overall, I think the Dallas Cowboys are fine. I think the New York Giants, what we saw again, is Joe Judge has a team that's out there fighting. They just need a quarterback. Daniel Jones is not going to be the answer there. And the offensive line's bad, but the defense is tough. And the only thing is, it tells you how bad Dallas is defensively that they give up over 30 points to the New York Giants. Yeah, it's, it's horrendous, frankly. You can't do that. I thought there was a really chance that the Giants could actually win the game down the stretch, but Daniel Jones, there was a fumble. There's a whole bunch of other issues to that offense. They just never capitalized on some mistakes Dallas made. And they, like you said, they have a strong defensive front. I've actually been very impressed with Kyler Factor and what he's done so far for the Giants' defense. But that offense is just terrible right now. All right, let's move on to the Las Vegas Raiders, who upset the Kansas City Chiefs 40-32. to I don't think either one of us saw that coming. And this was not a game where they jumped out in front. They actually trailed 21-10 late in the first half. The Las Vegas defense limited KC to three points over six consecutive possessions. They end up winning this game, and it was kind of the same formula we saw beat the Chiefs last year, first half of the season, which was the Raiders were able to basically run the ball down their throat. Derek Carr played really well, and I think what we see here is the Raiders are an entirely different team when you have Henry Ruggs, who gives you raw blazing speed as much as anything at the wide receiver position, and he had two catches for a touchdown, 118 yards. Yeah, this is what we talked about. We said that before. They really don't have a wide receiver one. That's what's been hurting them so far in the year. And Henry Ruggs has missed time. But now he comes back. He only gets those two catches. But that's a huge difference. Maker. That's over 100 yards just on two receptions. And Derek Carr played phenomenal three touchdowns. He did have that one interception. But otherwise, he outplayed Patrick Mahomes for most of the game. And Josh Jacobs, only 3.3 yards per carry. But really... Against Kansas City, if you just grind down that defense, you just run it consistently. Even if you're not getting the most efficient offense out of it, it still works. Now, Sunday night football last night, we saw a great football game. It was the Seattle Seahawks came back from a 13-0 deficit. They came back from 26-21 down to win the game 27-26 over the Minnesota Vikings. There's a few things here. Mike Zimmer's on the hot seat. Um, Mike Zimmer should be on the hot seat for more than the end of that game to me. I think when they were down 21 to 19, and what, probably towards the end of the third quarter, and he goes for two. I thought that was crazy to chase the points at that time. And then at the end of the game, they had the lead. They had a fourth and one. They could have kicked the field goal, went up by eight points here, and he decided not to. Was it the right call or not, Sam? No, it's absolutely not the right call. You go, go up by the points here. I mean, really. 
I, I understand trying to this whole situation. Oh, we might as well go all out here and try stuff. It really, I mean, come on, man. I mean, the points are right in front of you. You don't want to give that ball back to Russell Wilson. You don't want to even attempt to let Russell Wilson have that football because you know what he's going to do. He's the best foot quarterback in football right now. If you give that ball back to Russell Wilson, you're going to lose this football game. And they took the risk and they blew the game. And no, it's not all on his, all on Mike Zimmer's shoulders, but I think you can make the argument. He deserves 90% of the blame for making that call and for allowing that to end up basically in Russell Wilson's hands again. All right. This is what I say to this. If he, if he gets a yard, nobody says a word. They're saying what a great job he did. Would I watch this game? My actual first inclination is if you get one yard, you win the game. If you scored a if, – if you kicked a field goal and you're up by eight, you're going to give Russell Wilson probably the ball to 25 instead of inside to 10, and he's going to go down and he's going to score. The only caveat I put in that is then he has to get the two-point conversion also. So you don't just have to score one touchdown. You have to score a touchdown and you get the two-point conversion. I can understand completely why Mike Zimmer did this. I don't think what he did was necessarily the wrong thing, Sam. I think anytime I've got a chance to get one yard to win a game, I would rather do that to take my chances of giving the ball back to Russell Wilson. I can see where we're going from, but at the same point, I feel like a two-point conversion is pretty significant. We've seen a lot of teams miss those this year. I think the Seahawks actually missed one themselves in this game. So that two-point conversion to me is, is actually a pretty significant difference maker. I trust Russell Wilson to drive down the field from any spot with two minutes left and still to get that touchdown. I think the thing you're running against here is whether or not they make the two-point conversion. That's what you're betting against. At the same point, I, I guess I could see they were running the ball well all night. I guess I could see why you thought you'd get that one yard. But like I said, if you don't get that, you look really stupid at the end of the day. Well, but this is the thing. To be able to win in the NFL, sometimes you got to take a risk of looking really stupid. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying it's the right thing or the wrong thing. I'm just telling you this. If it's me, I'd have went for two. I don't think that I'd have ran necessarily the same play, but I'd have tried to win the game right there because you knew. I mean, as, as soon as they didn't get it, I looked at my son and said, the game's over. And if they kicked a field goal, I'd have looked at my son and said, well, this game's going to overtime. And then you've still got to beat him in the overtime, which gives you another chance. How about this? I think this. I think if you're playing in front of a packed Seattle stadium, I think he did the right thing. If it was a, if it was a packed Seattle stadium, you would run the ball? You would I, would run, I would run the ball. I mean, and to tell you the truth, on fourth and one, I would probably bootleg with Russell Wilson out into the flat with DK Metcalf, Metcalf running into the back of the end zone and Greg Olson kind of in the front of the end zone, I'd give him a run pass option. I'd really go to win the game right there. I don't think you can blame Mike Zimmer for trying to win the football game. And I think what you do if he kicks the field goal, you're trying not to lose the game, Sam. I can see what you're saying there. I, I really can't. At some point for Minnesota, though, do you try do you try something different? Because the Vikings are not exactly having a successful season. That's why I'm saying this needed to be done. I mean, he risked his job, but he's a great football coach. Great football coaches are this. Great football coaches are guys that aren't afraid to lose the game. And Mike Zimmer played it. It's the same thing we talked about. If you remember last year, Frank Reich, I forget which game, maybe against Tennessee or something, he goes for it. You know, he goes for two points, down a point. And he didn't get it. But the thing is, and it might have been Mike Vrabel. It was one of the two. But the point was that team after that, even though they lost that game, went on a long winning streak. 
I mean, the thing is this, you can't be afraid to lose the game. Dan Quinn was afraid to lose games. He lost leads all over the place. So to me, I think this, and I said it at the start of the year, I think the Vikings roster is down. It's not what it once was. I think Mike Zimmer is going to take the brunt, and I think he's going to get fired. I think what he did yesterday was he put all his cards on the table, and, you know, it didn't come up good. But I will tell you this, if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals and Mike Zimmer gets fired from the Minnesota Vikings, I am calling him immediately, and I'm offering him whatever the hell he wants because Mike Zimmer can coach football, and all these people that could sit out there, watch the game on their TV, and say, well, that's crazy. You should have just went for two. You know, sit your ass in Mike Zimmer's seat for one minute and then figure out what you would do. Mike Zimmer's a guy who almost always go for, goes for the win. That's the kind of coach I want. I think he's catching too much crap for this, and I'm sure Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp are saying he's nuts. But the thing is this, they have no clue. They've never been in that situation. And when you've got to make that decision and you've got to make it within 20 seconds, it's a totally different thing. I understand exactly why he did it, and I don't have any problem with it. Yeah, and to be quite frank, I'm not saying I could make the decision for him. I'm not saying I could do what he chose to do. I couldn't. I acknowledge that entirely. Uh, I see all your points, and you're swaying me a bit towards your side. I still think I might not have done that. But again, I'm not a coach, and I'm not a coach for a reason. Hey, and I can tell you this. I can sit there, watch the game, and tell you what I think I might have done. But until you're on the sideline with the clock ticking down and you got to make that decision, I don't know what decision I would have made. I'm just saying this. I'm saying that I understand what he did, and I don't have a problem with it, and I think he's catching way too much flack for it, uh, especially with a one-in-three football team. you got to have the win there. And Russell Wilson's on the other sideline. And Russell Wilson scared the hell out of everybody with a minute left and you give him the ball. I don't care what yard line he's on. Let me ask you this. Do you think Mike Zimmer's going to make it through the end of the year, or when do you think that he gets fired? So I'm sure at this point he's going to get fired before next season, but do you think he gets the rest of the year, or do you think it's going to be curtains by week eight? I think unless this goes really, really bad over the next few weeks and they lose some games really bad to teams maybe they shouldn't, I think he'll make it through the season. But And I think this also, I think in Minnesota, even if the players kind of disagree with him, I don't think they do disagree with him. I mean, I think these guys are still going to play hard for him. I think this season's still going to turn out the way I thought it was, which was around 6-10. and 10, And I think it's going to get him fired just because he never did get to that Super Bowl. Um, next up, your Pittsburgh Steelers, 38-29 win over the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the big story here is rookie receiver Chase Claypool, Sam. Oh, yeah, he was phenomenal the other day. I mean, four total touchdowns, one rushing, three receiving, and he had one called back on a bad P.I. call. So, really, he could have had five touchdowns the other day. He was phenomenal. And, really, this is what they do. Pittsburgh always finds receivers in the second, third, or fourth round. They go out there, and they play phenomenal alongside Ben Rosberg. And he's not even taking as many deep shots as he used to, but Claypool and these guys are still finding ways to make plays. This is why I'm not as concerned about the Pittsburgh's playmakers as maybe you are. It's because I know someone will, someone will step Quite up. Wait a second, though. We didn't see anything like this from Chase Claypool until yesterday, though. No, we did see an 80-yard game from him in week two, though. What do you have? Yeah, had 100, 80-yard game. What we saw yesterday is a guy who could be the number one guy. And if you give them a number one guy, you've got Juju, who is a number two guy, is one of the best in the league. You got Big Ben who's playing well. You got a really good defense. To me, the Pittsburgh Steelers just put themselves firmly in the conversation as possibly the best team in the AFC. 
I don't know if I would go that far. You get 29 points to the Philadelphia Eagles, and they were within two at one point during this game, late in the game. So I don't know if I would go that far. Because this, well, this secondary this secondary has been a problem. Steven Nelson had two picks the other day. One was late in the game. This secondary is not performing well. You cannot leave Travis Fulgham and let him get 10 receptions for 152 right, you yards. Can the Kansas City Chiefs just gave up 40 points to the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are a much better team right now than the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, but the point is this. They gave up 40 points. I mean, it's not like the Chiefs' defense is outstanding. So what you got to compare them to are what are the best teams in the AFC. Now, I think the Bills will end up having a great defense. And I believe this. I believe the Steelers' front seven is good enough. This is the key. When you play the Kansas City Chiefs, how do you beat them? You beat them with a front four that can get pressure without blitzing. They could do that. Now, the secondary sucks. Can't cover them deep. But now you're to the point where maybe Pittsburgh can keep up with them scoring-wise. I'm not saying that I think the Steelers are going to the Super Bowl. I'm just saying the Steelers can make a deep run when you get to January. Yeah, I think so, too. And they're off to a really good start. Biggest concern will have to be injuries down the line. We've seen with Big Ben before. We've seen with James Conner. We just got to keep these guys healthy throughout the year. Well, if they're healthy, they're the best team in the AFC North. Yeah, I would go that far. Ben's right now is outperforming Lamar Jackson, at least for the first couple weeks of the year. Well, and for his entire career. Next up, the Cleveland Browns beat the Indianapolis Colts 32-23. to Both entered this, entered this game with identical 3-1 records. The difference was here, Baker Mayfield played really well, and Philip Rivers didn't. And this was at a point at 27-10. We, we got our buddy Steve Risley, who does a, a lot of shows with us, and we will be back with Survive in Advance probably at the end of November at the latest. And the thing I texted him was just Jacoby Brissett question mark. I still think, and I may be the only person in the world outside of Jacoby's immediate family. I still think the Colts have a better chance to win with Jacoby Brissett than they do Phillip Rivers. And I called you crazy for saying that earlier in the year, but I'm beginning to see. I mean, Phillip Rivers is washed up. Let's just put it that way. He's he's been performing horribly so far this year. He doesn't have any deep ball ability. He's incredibly inaccurate so far. I mean, two, two interceptions, no touchdowns whatsoever. They had a really good chance to go out there and win this game, despite not having much of a rushing attack at all. Baker Mayfield did throw two interceptions yesterday, which was crucial in keeping Indianapolis in the game. But then Philip Rivers went and came right back to Cleveland. So at this point, Rivers is just a, like I said, a turnover machine. I don't think he's worth much to you offensively. You have to go to Jacoby Brissett before the end of this year if you want to keep your playoff hopes alive. Well, the thing is with Baker Mayfield, the interceptions also came with touchdown passes. Phillip Rivers, that was not the case. No, when, you, when you're throwing interceptions and no touchdowns, when there's nothing coming back your way, that really says you're you're completely gone offensively. His arm looks shot, and he's doing – I mean, there's no saving it at this point. This offense needs a quarterback. All right, next up, the Los Angeles Rams continue to win with a 30-10 to 10 win over the Washington football team. Um I think the Kyle Allen experiment didn't really work. Alex Smith came into the game first time in 693 days he's played, and he looked like a 36-year-old who hasn't played in 693 days would look. And the thing that stuck out to me is this. The Washington, most of their games, they've been in the game because of their defensive front. This game, they were out of it early. The Rams dominated, and I think we got to start taking the Rams a little bit more seriously also. Yeah, the Rams and Jared Goff have been much better this year than I anticipated. I thought without a running game, they would struggle. But they've had a decent running game with Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown, 
Cam Akers. They got a little bit of a three-headed monster back there. They had 129 rushing yards against what is usually a good Washington defense. And frankly, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, these guys are putting in work. The offense has been relatively high caliber. And defensively, they just abused Washington's offensive line. I mean, Aaron Dell had four sacks. Troy Reader had three. They just completely destroyed Washington up front. All right, next up, the Cincinnati Bengals, who do not have a football coach, lost to the Baltimore Ravens 27-3. In this game, once again, sticks out that Zach Taylor should not be coaching in the NFL. The Bengals had no offensive balance to speak of. And when your offensive line is bad and you expect to call plays where Joe Burrow's got to have the ball in his hands for more than a second, it's not going to work out. The Bengals were predictable on offense. And the sad thing is this. The Bengals' defense actually played well enough to beat almost anybody in the NFL. They only gave up 20 points against a high-powered Ravens offense. They held, I think, Lamar Jackson to like one yard or negative one yard rushing. The defense did everything they could do, but the offense was a mess. Joe Burrow looked bad. And Marlon Humphrey made what I think is the defensive player of the year or defensive play of the year so far where, you know, he's tackling the receiver, and all of a sudden he takes his right hand, punches an uppercut into the ball, and the next thing you know, the ball's out, and they're returning it for a touchdown. So when I look at this, this game is unfortunately what I kind of expected. I thought Joe Burrow would be do, be able to do a little bit more. But right now, Joe Burrow is getting beat up because he's got a peewee football coach calling the play, Sam. Yeah, I mean, we both think Joe Burrow's going to be a great quarterback, but it's a little bit hard to evaluate his ceiling based on his level of play, because he hasn't had the opportunity to play at a high level in a lot of these games because of the offensive line. We've seen flashes of it, but really, you just got played against an experienced defense, a more talented team, and he just came out and beat the Bengals flat. They didn't have any running game to speak of. The receivers kind of got held in check throughout the day. I mean, Joe Burrow, yeah, he struggled, but also, again, rookie quarterback playing experienced defense. It's hard to fault him for this, but at the same point, I hope they'll throw a little bit more from him in his first game against Baltimore. All right, next up, the Miami Dolphins, 43 to 49 or 17. Did anybody see this game coming, Sam? Did you call this? I, both of us called this one. Both of us took the Dolphins in this one. Oh, did you? I thought you took yeah. that. I mean, Steve that took the – Steve Rizzer who took the 49ers then. But Ryan Fitzpatrick basically destroyed <laughs> the 49ers defense with three touchdowns, 350 yards, picked them apart. The Dolphins offense moved up and down the field. I mean, this was a one-sided ass whooping, and it didn't matter if Jimmy Garoppolo was there or not. No, and the big thing from this really is, hey, we know we know that the Dolphins will play hard for Ryan Flores no matter what. And when Ryan Fitzpatrick gets hot, he's almost unstoppable. But something else I looked at, Jimmy Garoppolo got pulled from the game, and the, the 49ers said it was kind of for his own protection. The only thing you're protecting him from is himself. I mean, he was shooting himself and them in the foot the entire game. C.J. Beathard came in and played a little bit better. Really, Garoppolo, I mean, I had questions. I've had questions about him dating back to last year. I've told you this multiple times. So it'll be interesting to see how he responds now in an offense that is somewhat limited on a team that's been losing games they shouldn't. We'll see if he can step up and be a franchise quarterback or he'll just be another middle-of-the-road guy. Jimmy Garoppolo, I actually had high hopes for at one point. Those high hopes went away when he left Bill Belichick. Played well last year. But Kyle Shanahan, you know, handcuffed him for a reason in the playoffs in the Super Bowl when he should have been calling different kind of plays. I just think that I think the 49ers are done. I think that window of opportunity for them was very small because Kyle Shanahan was the coach. We could talk about what a great offensive innovator he is, and he is, but he's not a head football coach. 
the 49ers are done, Sam. Stick a fork in them. I'm right there with you. I think they're done for this year, especially in a, in a division that has the Rams, who we just talked about, have been playing phenomenal. And, of course, the Seattle Seahawks with Russell Wilson. You can't compete with those teams right now. And even if they were entirely healthy, I don't think the 49ers would be a high-caliber playoff team. I don't know if they would even be a playoff team at all if they were entirely healthy at this point. Well, I think so many guys right now. I think it's pushing to say entirely healthy they're not a playoff team. But I don't think they were a Super Bowl team. I really think this was a one. They were a one-shot wonder last year. And, unfortunately, there's a lot of talent on the roster. It got hurt. But still, the Bucks got to stop somewhere. And to me, I've never been a big Kyle Shanahan fan, even though I do think his offense, I like the way he runs it. I just don't think he's a head coach. Next up, the Houston Texans. Finally got him a win. Bill O'Brien's gone. So it was to be expected. Right, Sam? Yeah, of course. As soon as you get rid of Bill O'Brien, everything looks up a little bit. Now, of course, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, you're supposed to win that game. So I guess you're just doing your job at this point. But really, I'm kind of worried for Deshaun Watson moving forward because I saw plays like he played fairly well, I think. But at the same point, two interceptions. He's starting to force plays they shouldn't be forcing because he has to do everything for that team offensively. And he has to give the defense a significant cushion. I'm starting to feel like he's starting to run some issues here because of the team he's on. He wouldn't be doing this if he was just in a better team or a better organization. Yeah, but he's not. Next up, the Arizona Cardinals 30, the New York Jets 10. Now, I heard rumors after this that the New York Jets may be dropping down and playing in the ACC the rest of the season. Oh, I could still lose to Clemson if they did that. I mean, I mean, seriously, maybe they'll play their future quarterback in Joe Flacco, though. Who knows? I mean, in Joe Flacco, in Trevor Lawrence. Because, honestly, this team has been so bad. I like Sam Darnold. I've told you this before. I do like Sam Darnold. I think he's an NFL quarterback. But you had Joe Flacco out there the other day. This organization has really screwed Sam Darnold in his long-term potential in the NFL. And I have no idea how Adam Gase still has a head coaching job. How can two people be fired before <laughs> Adam Gase? I know. Raheem Morris is a coaching job now, and Adam Gase still – I don't understand. This is so well, weird. I can see why Raheem Morris would have it if your only other option was Adam Gase. But the Jets basically self-inflicted struggles from the game to the front office, the offseason. All this is self-inflicted. So I, the Cardinals had lost a couple in a row. I don't think this means anything for the Cardinals other than they got out of Dodge with a win. Now they're 3-2. and two. I still don't have a whole lot of hope for the Cardinals being a playoff team either, Sam. No, neither do I. I originally had higher hopes at the beginning of the year. I've kind of reversed course right now. I'm seeing more eye-to-eye with you on this situation. The Cardinals will beat the bad teams. They will have a 50-50 chance against some of the decent teams, and they will lose to all the good ones. That's really what they are at this point. All right, next up, the Carolina Panthers are now 3-2. and two. Teddy Bridgewater once again played well. They beat the Atlanta Falcons, which ended up costing Dan Quinn his job, 23-16 to 16 yesterday. And when I look at this, Teddy Bridgewater's playing really well. This defense is really good. Should we start taking the Panthers a little more seriously, at least maybe for a eight or nine win season and a shot at that last playoff spot? Yeah, no, I'm, I say yeah. I mean, I, they played the Buccaneers fairly close for three and a half quarters when they first met. This is really not a bad team. They don't have Chris McCaffrey back yet either. They're playing with Mike Davis as your starting running back. And they're performing fairly well. So I apologize to Matt Rule. I was I thought Matt Rule was a very bad hire, honestly, in the offseason. But he's got his team playing very hard. Teddy Bridgewater's performing above where I thought he would be throughout the year. And he certainly outplayed Matt Ryan the other day. And Robbie Anderson has been a terrific free agent signing for them. So really, this team is much better than I anticipated. I thought they would be one of the bottom three teams in the NFL. 
Instead, it looks like they could be a middle of the pack to maybe even low wild card team. Yeah, the Trevor Lawrence dream is gone, but maybe they've found their quarterback because Teddy Bridgewater was impressive last year when Drew Brees went down. He's been an impressive, or he's been impressive so far this year. Yeah, if he can replicate what he's done so far through the first couple of games of the season, just keep doing that for the next three years. Carolina would be more than happy to have him as their quarterback. And one thing he has to do sometimes is he makes maybe one too many mistakes per game. He's perfect basically the other day. But usually there's one interception in there. If he can just cut that out, I mean, he's he'll basically be a close to top 15, if not top 13 quarterback. I think he's already a top 15 All quarterback. Right. All right. So is there anything else you want to talk about from this past week's games or any news before we hit on the Chargers Saints a little bit? Well, we cover mostly everything. I, mean, I really didn't have much else we want to talk about. That's pretty much really pretty much it. I think we covered everything in the games we needed. All right, Chargers Saints, who you like tonight? Joey Bosa is questionable. So I'm, I'm leaning towards the Saints, honestly. Usually I would say the Chargers have a pretty good chance to make pull us upset. But if Joey Bosa isn't 100%, I'm going to give this one to New Orleans. All right, real quick, the NFL owners are meeting virtually Tuesday. And chief on that agenda is the ongoing COVID-19 situation. The league has already been forced to postpone or reschedule multiple games because of positive tests among organizations, shuffling bye weeks and contests to make its standard 17-week slate work. That could change as the NFL Network's Michael Silver reported late Sunday this could result in a week 18. So do you think that could possibly happen here? I mean, I throw out the idea of a week 18 before. I didn't even mention it on the Sam and Sam show with Sam against, which you do every Friday that there might be an 18th week just because the way Tennessee is turning right now, who knows they'll actually be able to play this week or whenever whenever the next game is. I don't know if they'll actually be able to play. A week 18 to me makes sense. It'll require a lot of shuffling of the schedule again. But to me, I think it's much simpler. It's a much easier thing to do that than just try to mesh this, mash this all around and get into 17 weeks. All right. I don't really have an opinion. I think that'll play. I do think the one good thing from COVID is now we get to all see Buffalo against Tennessee on Tuesday night. Yeah, hey, Tuesday night football. I mean, I'm all for it, really. The more football we have, the better. Yeah, I think that is start making games every week or every night of the week. What the hell? Nothing else to watch on TV anymore. Ever since they took Cheers on the family and Sanford and Son off, there hadn't really been anything to watch. Yes, because I know exactly what all those shows are. But really, oh my god, you've never heard of All in the Family, Cheers, or Sanford? No, Sanford? I've heard of I've heard of All in the Family. Don't worry, I've heard of that one. I just have you've seen heard it. of you've never heard of Sanford and Son? No. Hmm. I feel like I'm losing Cheers? credibility here. Cheers. No. Are you a communist, Sam? <laughs> you like born in Bulgaria and just moved here a couple of years ago? What the hell? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm a Russian spy, Mike. I've been planning to hear too. Even Russian spies would know this. Russian spies, <laughs> are, you have to be kind of intelligent to be able to be spies, don't they? I guess you probably have to be debriefed on American culture. But... Yeah, I mean, you've never seen Andy Griffith. No. Hmm. You ever hear of George Washington? <laughs> I think I know who that is, Mike. I was just checking. I'll quiz you on him tomorrow. All right, we'll be back tomorrow to wrap up Monday night's game, to preview Tuesday night's game, and talk any other NFL news we can think of. You can follow Sam Teets at SamTeets33. You can follow me at Grueling Truth. You can watch our show live every day, Monday through Friday at 1 o'clock on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Twitch Live, Periscope, 
live, you get the idea. And you can hear our podcast form of all the shows on The Grilling Truth on iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, Stitcher. Stitcher. Well, I guess we are on Stitcher. That is something. And for now, we're going to go ahead and wrap the show up because now I'm getting tongue-tied. But for Sam Teets, I'm my good pastor. You've been listening to The Grueling Truth, where the legends be. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.